The South Dakota Stories, Volume 5. South Dakota seemed like the perfect place to unplug, but I ended up connecting to the world around me, a world where each sunset was painted, where I felt adventure's pulse with every step, and where cold water trickling, pine swaying, and grunting bison became my favorite soundtracks. I just wish I didn't have to leave. There's so much South Dakota, so little time. Hey friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a friend to join me and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Hey y'all, welcome to episode 496. Alexandra Hoover is here and she came down to Austin recorded with me and I just need to say off the bat that this is the shows that I love the most. The shows where I sit down with someone who, believe it or not, we've only met one other time before this, but we just clicked and we start the show talking about eighth grade. Like who would have known? Uh, we talked about eighth grade and then we move into some conversations that I just love. Conversations about trusting God's character. Uh, Alexandria is releasing a book next Tuesday called Eyes Up, How to Trust God's Heart by Tracing His Hand. And we talk a lot about that today. And it's a conversation that I really, truly believe is needed for all of us. There's not a season that we're in where we look and go, you know what? I really don't need to think about trusting God's character because we always need that. And what I love about this conversation is Alexandra and I, neither one of us are saying, hey, don't worry, God's got it all under control. Don't worry, life's going to be okay. No, we're saying life's hard and we can still trust God's character. Guys, if you're listening to this live on the 20th and you live in Charlotte, at the end, Alexandra invites you to something special happening tonight. But no matter what, check out her book, Eyes Up. It comes out next Tuesday. You guys, also, next week's a big week for me because I'm actually going on sabbatical. Never done this. Never taken this much time off in the eight years of running the happy hour and Ivy Media. And so I'm taking about six weeks off. To say I'm excited is an understatement. To say I'm nervous is an even bigger understatement. Uh, but everything's in good hands. Lindsay, Angie, the whole team, they're taking care of everything. But I do want to let you know about something is we've talked about this in some of the other shows and we announced it earlier in the month when we had our birthday celebration. Happy birthday to the happy hour is that we have something really exciting happening uh, in a couple months. And that is a podcasting course. And so if you want to know more about it, go to jamieivy.com slash courses. You can find out about the podcasting course. You can sign up so that you do not miss when we open up registration for that. We also have information on a summer book club. So excited about that. Angie and Lindsay are leading this and it's going to be a really great time to form community. We also have fun giveaways, podcasting tips. So many things are available over there for you. Go to jamieivy.com slash courses. All right, you guys, this is a really great conversation. I hope you enjoy it. I hope it ministers to you exactly where you are today. And I hope that at the end, you really can believe that God is faithful and he is good, no matter what our circumstances tell us. Here is my conversation with Alexandra Hoover. Alexandra, welcome to the happy hour. Hi, Jamie. I'm so glad to be here. Uh, I'm excited to be here too. I just confessed before we hit record that I accidentally called you Alex earlier. <laughs> <laughs> because it just came out and as soon as it came out of my mouth I thought oh my gosh I've only actually met her in real life twice uh -huh. and I just put myself into a zone that I had not been invited to it's friend zone we're friend zoning <laughs> I think that is like a sign from the Lord though it totally that is. I was like I just felt Alex so come out comfortable. I love that and then I said what did I say to you I said that's fine 
Oh, that's would good. You my friends call me Alex. Else? For, I would have. Yes, actually, this is going to derail us. I'm an Enneagram eight, so I will. I oh, will you would have said, just call me Alexandra. I have, and I have in several interviews have said, okay, you can just call me Alexandra. Mm. <laughs> well, this is a very professional setting, and yes. so I will call you Alexandra the no. whole time, and I will text you, Alex. <laughs> okay, perfect. <laughs> uh, welcome to the happy hour. This is super exciting. Introduce yourself to everybody. Yeah. Hey, friends. My name is Alexandra Hoover. Uh, I'm a wife. I'm a mom to three beautiful babies, Layla, Kingston, and Sophia, all under 10, 10 and under. So keep me lifted. Yeah. If you think of me, mm-hmm. uh, we're coming out of spring break just now. We headed to Charleston for a few days. We came out alive. Good. Um, with a nice tan. Nice. Yes. Yes. And uh, I am the author of Eyes Up, How to Trust God's Heart by Tracing His Hand. And I'm a local church girl. I've been doing vocational ministry for almost eight years now. There's and a whole lot about me. <laughs> you are at a church with a friend of the happy hour. Yeah. So Derwin Gray. Yes, yes. Is your pastor. He's been on the show plenty of times. We yeah. love him. He's always welcome. Yeah. Um, and so y'all are at church together. Yeah, we are. I've been there with um, Pastor Derwin for almost nine years attending TC. Okay. And have seen her just grow. And um, I love her. I love the church. I love it so much. Yeah. Well, uh, today's May 20th. Yes, it's it Friday. Woo-woo. And um, as I was getting ready for this interview, I was looking and be like, what's happening in my life on May 20th? Yeah. And I realized that on May 20th today, uh, my daughter, who is in eighth grade, yeah. has a little eighth grade party. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Oh, my gosh. So it took me back Oof. to eighth grade. Okay. So I want to take you back. Okay. I knew that was coming. To eighth grade. All right. What were you like in eighth grade? Yeah. So eighth grade eighth grade alex well first of all i made people call me alexia oh because i was going through like an identity yeah 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 maybe crisis we'll call it or you know transition or whatever so my name was no <laughs> so it wasn't alexandra it wasn't alex it was alexia alexia you got didn't it. call me alexia i was not your friend mm. and so i for starters i lived in anchorage alaska let's get there too so i was i'm originally from dc i'm venezuelan my parents are first generation immigrants but ended up in Anchorage, Alaska, um, because my stepdad worked for the FEA. I know. That and feels so, like the most, like, never would I have imagined you were just going to tell me that. It's literally my only fun, like, party trick. Well, I'm going to Alaska this summer. Oh, my gosh. That's amazing. I'll tell you all the never things. Never been, yeah. I will tell you the things. And so eighth grade for me was in Anchorage, Alaska. Okay. And I was just, it was hard. It was a hard time. Middle school was a jungle for me. Eighth grade was not my best time. And so I would say that uh, eighth grade, eighth grade Alex, she was really insecure. I went through some like pretty severe bullying in eighth grade. Girls were just so unkind to me, severely unkind and uh, found myself just reaching to just mm. be like seen and loved and valued in any in any space, shape or form from anyone really. And it was just hard. Eighth grade was really, really hard for me. I do not remember a time in eighth grade where I was like, man, this is really enjoyable. Wow. So much so that my parents ended up moving me from the uh, middle school I was at to a private school to finish off eighth grade and transition myself and transition me into ninth grade because it was just that hard for me. My gosh. Um, and the bullying that I went through in eighth grade. So yeah, it was a it was a tough time for sure. You know, you don't meet a lot of people who I'm like, how was eighth grade? And they're like, I loved it. <laughs> it was the best time of my life. Has, yeah. Have you met anyone that's like, not I one. loved middle school no, so much? No, not one. Maybe boys sometimes because I feel like it's different. I, I, For sure. I have my last child is a daughter. Yeah. And she's going through eighth grade. Yeah. And I just, it has been way different for her mm. than the boys. Oh, man. Yeah. And so, well, my question for you is hearing your story and mm-hmm. here I am about to send a daughter to ninth grade next yeah. year. What what happened for you mm. to get you, not where you are today by any means, that's a big jump, but what did the rest of high school look like for you if you felt insecure and bullied yeah. and all the things? 
Okay, so I will I will kind of set the tone and really paint a picture. So I actually was in this private school. They sent me to a Christian private school for just honestly maybe like two quarters to okay. kind of level me level me out, level myself out. My mental health was just trash. It was so unwell. And uh, after some time of, of counseling and, and what my parents thought was probably the best move was to pull me back out of that school and put me back into like regular um, uh, public school. And so I, my public school though had a program called the seminar school and it's Socratic style learning. I don't know if you've ever heard about that or heard of that. Essentially what it is, it's a program where um, it's a Padilla school program where you are essentially walking through uh, writing styles for, of, of, um, Socrates. And so Socrates loved seminar style teaching and writing. And what they do is it's called coaching papers. They would make you read all sorts of articles. It was super heavy leaning towards using your words, using critical thinking, philosophy. That saved my life, essentially. And so when I went back into public school, the high school that I was at, uh, Robert Service High School in Anchorage, has this program. And I was able to find kind of like my identity in that because I fell in love with the space. I fell in love with the teachers. I, I, kind of liken that time to a time of like revival for myself and like for my soul it was still really hard like my I did not have a pretty tidy like high school experience hear me I did not however what I see God in now in the midst of that or how I've seen how, how I've been able to look back and kind of see him is through this time in high school where I've where I saw him kind of bring in um certain people uh, like my nurse, Nurse Panna from high school was like a a, pl- a place of, of reprieve and like a really soft place to land for me. And so I think what helped me as I see God in my story even then is that once I transitioned out of that space, he led me into a space where I, he knew I would be able to kind of find my footing and where he was going to be able to cultivate some of what I'm doing now today as an adult. And so again, not a tidy story, but I definitely see how the Lord um, even then began to thread and pull me out of like the, this this pit of darkness. You know, it's so interesting that you you had no idea I was going to ask you about no, eighth grade. Uh, Ale- not at all. Alexia. <laughs> <Eighth grade. laughs> Can I tell you, wait, <laughs> y'all, this is like breaking news. I've never <laughs> shared this story. So for the our Jamie Ivy friends here, listen. Y'all are like the real MVPs. Y'all, if y'all see me in person ever at any event and you call me Alexia, I will know who you are. That's exactly and, and right. You will be VIP. <laughs> VIP people. Yes. Um, so Alexia yes. uh, from eighth grade, oh you had no gosh. idea that we were going to talk about no, this. not a bit. But I think it's so interesting in what we are going to talk about yeah. is this book that you released next week. Congratulations. Yeah. It's so, so good. I, I got my hands on it early. Thank Eyes up. You. But you're even talking right now about looking back and seeing God in yeah. those moments yes. of your life. Uh-huh. And um I think that that's powerful for us as believers Mm. is to have those moments. But I want to ask you another question before we move on. We do this series in the summer here called Encounter. And we want to ask people like, Mm. hey, what what was like your encounter with Jesus? Like, when did you fall for him? Yeah. Not like... You know, you talk about in your book about like knowing about God yeah. versus like having him transform your life. Yeah. So what was that? When was that for you that yeah. you would say mm. God transformed you yeah. and you fell for him yeah. um, in a new way? Okay. So I remember the day actually, and this is not difficult for me. A lot of what was difficult about writing Eyes Up is that I had to look back and remember a lot yeah. of things. And it was hard. I went through a lot of trauma and a lot of um, situations and circumstances where like just my body kept the score yeah. and essentially removed so much of what I thought I wanted to remember or, or needed to remember. And so, but this particular day I do remember and I remember it because it became like a core memory. Have you ever watched um, Inside Out? 
like the movie the with movie? the Disney, the Pixar uh-huh. movie? Yes. yes. Okay. It's giving core memory for me. Okay. So they have these core memories and this one. I need scene to rewatch movie. this movie. It's okay. Inc- it's so important. The Lord used Inside Out for me. Like he uses I many things or all sermons for me. And so there's, there's this scene in, in Inside Out where um, Joy is talking through these core memories that our bodies create based off of how the emotions and, and the state of our emotions and what they look like. And so what's happening in this scene is that sadness and anger are essentially stealing these core memories from joy. Mm. And they're stealing the core memories that held joy and delight and, and all good things for, for the main character of the story. And so anger and sadness end up stealing these core memories, some of them. And what happens then is that joy comes back and tries to essentially like she goes to bat for the core memories to bring them back and to get and to reframe them mm-hmm. for the character yeah and so this particular day is a core memory for me it joy and sadness definitely had them for a while until the lord came in and breathed life over it and so i was 19 years old i was just married to my husband mario we were babies by the grace of god babies. we're still married babies <laughs> literal babies yeah and um i remember I wasn't a believer growing up. We'll start there. I did not grow up in the church. But were your I, parents believers? They were not believers. But they sent you to that private Christian yes. school. Yes. Well, and so my stepdad Got was it. my stepdad was a believer for okay. sure. And so at that point, I was living with my stepdad still. Got it. But we just didn't attend church with him. We weren't engaged. We weren't committed to the local church then. Yeah. And their relationship was so contentious. Anyways, my mom and my stepdad that it was just it felt like a natural divide yeah. all the time. So all that to say, I didn't really experience church, so to speak. I just had like tastes of her here and there. And um, fast forward, 19 years old, my husband, Mario, honest to God, has like the gift of faith. He really does. I'm, it's it's the most beautiful, slightly like annoying thing <laughs> because he just carries the faith of so many um, on his back, like for God, like he lets people borrow his faith. He he has it. It's It's deep. It's beautiful. It's a gift for sure. And so he is probably like, I don't know, he's 23 at the time and I'm, I'm content, like I'm literally contending with the Lord about my life. Like I had just met Jesus um, or given my life to Jesus at 18. And so like, I'm, I'm, I'm fresh. I'm a new believer. I'm committed. I'm throwing all of my like rap CDs out the window as <laughs> yep. I'm driving down the oh, highway, yeah. you know, setting it all on fire. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yes. Giving it all <laughs> to the Lord. And so I am sitting in this parking lot with Mario. We're coming out of, we've, we've just watched a movie. We're sitting at the AMC parking lot in Stone Crescent, Charlotte. And I am screaming at the Lord. Like I am there I am like I'm giving the Lord choice words and Mario's in the driver's seat, I'm in the passenger seat. I'm hitting the dashboard of our car and I'm just like I I'm so angry with you because I and Mario was asking me like how are you in your faith? How are you feeling about God? And I'm like I think he is I think he's a narcissist. I think mm. that he kind of set this whole thing up to see if I was going to choose him, but allowed for like this sense of like pain and suffering that has been my entire story to completely overtake me. And now he just wants me to like wake up and pretend like it never happened. And so in this particular day or on this day, I remember going, I remember saying to God, I want to believe that you're good, but everything tells me you're not. And I want to believe that you are who you say you are, but everything tells me that you're actually just mean and spiteful and that and that your character actually is one of testing and trials and and all i would hear even then was like the more god tests you the more he loves you and so i had this like really upside down idea of like who the character of god was he wasn't a father at that point he was like a coach Uh and so on this day i remember the lord as i'm giving him choice words and all i see him doing is just like lifting his extending his arms towards me i'm just saying like alex i love you so much you can give me the choice words. You can give me the doubt. You can give me the contention. You can give me the grief. I'm sorry. I know I know it doesn't make sense, but if you just give me a chance to help you see where, where I was throughout your story, 
I promise you're going to get to know me in a brand new way. And I remember that day being where, where the day where I decided I'm either I'm either going to believe that Jesus died for me to live abundantly and have like revival or I'm not. Yeah. And it changed the way that I see God now. I'm 32 years old today, so it's been a journey mm-hmm. to believe that and, to, and for that to become the lens from which I see God and the faith. But that day was the day that it changed for me. That is unbelievable. I love that. I love hearing people's stories yeah. of when everything kind of clicks and they wake up and say, this is, this is what's day. happening. Today's yeah. the day. Yep. Um, this is this is what we're doing. Well, it you know, I think that one of the things that you've given the church and me and the people mm-hmm. who are listening is the story that you wrote down. And so I want to talk to you about yeah. your book. It comes out next week. Yes, yes. Congratulations. Thank you so much. Uh, uh, it comes out on May 24th, Eyes Up, How to Trust God's Heart by yes. Tracing His Hand. Oh. I love in this book, you start out and you you say this, you say, um, you're, you're quoting uh, Spurgeon. Yeah. You say, God is too kind to be unkind and he is too wise to be mistaken. Mm-hmm. And when we cannot trace his hand, we must trust his heart. Mm. And you talk about this book is called Eyes Up, How to Trust God's Heart by Tracing His Hand. What yeah. do you mean by that? Yeah. So I, uh, in our faith, we all have this natural bend to look at our circumstances to dictate the character of God. We allow it to inform the character of God, the way that we see God, even looking in Genesis three, right? When we see our friends, Adam and Eve, who are experiencing God in a, in a beautiful way at the garden, they have everything they've ever needed yet. As soon as they hear this lie whispered that they, that there's something missing, that there must be more. They believed a question God's Mm, character and who he was and not because God wasn't actually good. It was because their outer circumstances, right? The the deceiver initiated something and invited them into a space for them to be able for them to see their their environment and their and their circumstances differently, which was from a place of doubt and a place of unbelief. And for us, that is our day to day, like our our challenges, our circumstances. We all are walking through something every single day. We're either in the midst of it, coming out of it, or going in. Yep. And I, I believe that one of the greatest lies of the enemy is to make us think that God is not who he says he is. Mm-hmm. And it sounds really simple, right? Like it sounds easy and simple. And if we could just believe God's character, but it's not yeah. because our natural bent is to look at our outside circumstances to inform the way that we see God internally. Mm-hmm. And so wh- what this means is this, it's an invitation to allow our faith to inform how we see the world. Mm-hmm. It's allowing God to inform how we see life and suffering and circumstances because if we allow God to inform the way that we see our world, our faith is what drives us and and, and spurs us on. When we allow the world to inform the way that we see God, our circumstances, et cetera, it becomes the world's uh, uh, thermostat to set our spiritual spiritual temperature. So good. You talk the whole time setting up to the stage when you're talking about eighth grade, high school, everything that happened. You can look back on those moments yeah. and not say, God, where were you? Yeah. Like you were having that moment in the car with yeah. Mario, but then go, oh, I can see the way you. you were showing up. Absolutely. And and one of the gifts I think the Lord gives us through, so there's just in the overarching story of scripture, God is so intentional about teaching us to look and consider his works. Mm. The language yeah. is so beautiful. Look and consider the work of my hands. Look back. Uh, he reorients all of the, every chance that God gets, he re, he's reorienting the gaze, the gaze of Peter, right? Mm-hmm. The gaze of, of 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 Mary and Martha. There's continuous reorientation for the Israelites. Every other book, I feel like, is hey, remember what I've done for you, yeah. Because we're prone to wander and we're prone to forget. And again, we hear it, 
but it's some the, the resolve to understand that and allow God to move us in a different direction is hard. And here's why I think that matters. When you're able to look back and learn, and when you learn to see God, you're not forcing God in your situations. He's already in the midst of it. Mm-hmm. Like you're just learning to have eyes to see him. Mm-hmm. And when you begin to see your life through God's lens, you begin to taste and see his goodness in a fresh new way. Yeah. It doesn't mean that suffering doesn't exist because the presence of pain does not mean the absence of God. What it does mean is this, is that when I look back in the midst of abuse and poverty and all the things that are hard and dark, I, I, even without a doubt, even when I can't seem to trace his hand, even when I can't find glimmer or light or hope, I know who God is because mm-hmm. I've seen him work before and I know that he's not done and he'll do it again. Yeah. And I trust his character going back all the way 2000 years to that empty tomb. Yeah. That is my greatest Ebenezer, Jamie. Mm. Truly, it, it is. Mm. You talk about Ebenezer a mm. lot in this book. It's you built do. around it. Yeah. And I remember when I found out years ago what that meant. Yeah. And it was profound. It is. It was profound for me to think about that in my own personal life, mm. but also to see it throughout scripture. Yeah. And to see the way that God's people have yeah. recounted the ways that he's been good. Absolutely. And, and made a, a statement in the ground, a stake in the ground. Yeah. This is where I will remember yeah. that we'll worship you. So explain to us what mm. an Ebenezer is. Yeah. So in First Samuel, right, we find um, Samuel with the, with the homies, the Israelites, mm-hmm. and they are in the midst of, of battle and war. Yet again, we find them in like just contention, yeah. <laughs> just like up in arms with God, upside down. And um, God sends Samuel, right, and he's like, "Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna send you Samuel," which then Samuel leads us to Jesus, which is absolutely beautiful how that God threads that. Yeah. Um, so they're in the midst of of war and battle, and and God essentially rescues them. Um, from yet another t- tumultuous war. And um, he sa- he tells Samuel, listen, they're going to forget. My people are going to forget that I rescued them yet again. And so here's what I need you to do. I'm gonna need you to set up a memorial stone and I'm gonna need you to do it with with, with several stones so that, so that the Israelites can look back and see that I've helped them. And so Ebenezer actually means stone of help. Now, if you look at our greatest stone of help, our cornerstone, who is our greatest help? It's Jesus. And so God is essentially painting the picture for the cornerstone that's coming by giving the Israelites these reminders that he's here, mm-hmm. that that God is with us, that Emmanuel is actually present and good and kind. And um, because he knows his children, he's like, y'all are going to forget yep. what I've done for you. And, and and not only that, but looking at, again, the overarching story of scripture and and the rescue mission that, that God sent Jesus on is we forget that the resurrection actually happened for us to live life abundantly now. Mm-hmm. And that the resurrection equips us to see God in the midst of our everydayness, in the midst of suffering. And so in First Samuel, we, we get this invitation to kind of t- taste what it looks like for God, mm-hmm. for us to follow God and look at these uh, memorial stones as he sets them up in our lives as places for us to see how he mm-hmm. has helped us. I love when you set that story up in the book because you go further back from first Samuel. Oh, you go don't, back to Hannah. Don't even take me to Hannah. I will. It will be an hour for Hannah here. Well, uh, um, I thought about that even earlier when you were talking yeah. about those moments of feeling like God has overlooked you or forgotten That's you. That's right. And you Oof. tell Hannah's Oof. story leading into the whole thing. And it's so beautiful because mm. I think that that is such a common yeah. feeling that so many women are having right now. Yeah is overlooked for things they've done, mm. underappreciated. God, do you see what I'm doing here? Yeah. God, are you going to use me? Yeah. God, I'm trying so hard to follow you. Yeah. Um, and so talk about Hannah's story a little bit. Oh, man, I'm a big Hannah fan. I don't think we give our girl Hannah enough credit, honestly. 
So uh, Hannah, if you've not ever heard of Hannah, friends, we find her again in First in Samuel. And um, the story of Hannah is really our story. It just looks different for every woman, right? She is overlooked. She's, she's barren. She desperately wants to have kids. And uh, it, it is one of those women who is doing the right thing right? Like she is showing up. She's loving her family. She is tending to the field, her work. She's doing the thing. And there, you know, her husband's uh, other wife, and yes, there were several wives, Old Testament days. Her husband's other wife um, is essentially just an awful person. She She's unkind. She's bitter and resentful towards Hannah because her husband so loves Hannah. And so there's just weird like tension there. And, um, what we see in First Samuel with Hannah is that it's two things, right? There's there's an obedience for her to go back to the temple every day for several years of going back because um, if you're not familiar with the temples, the temple was God's dwelling place in the Old Testament. And so um, she was able to go to the temple to be with God and knew essentially, and what I get from scripture is that she knew that the best place to be in the midst of her of her suffering, of her doubts, of being overlooked, rejected, uh, talked about, uh, et cetera, was to be with God. That's a, We can stop right there, and that's a word. Yeah. Is that in the midst of all that, she continued to go back to where she, she, she needed did. to be. She yeah. did. She went back. And uh, we, can't, we can't park there. And in the book, we do. Yeah. I, I'm like, we need to stop yeah. and look at that because... She's teaching us something so important, mm-hmm. a spiritual formation for us is, yeah. is to be able to go back to God and be with God even when, even when. And so Hannah does. And and so she she's going back to the temple and, and essentially fast forward to God ends up answering Hannah's prayer, right? And so this is important because I want to say this out loud. God is not going to answer our prayers every time the way that we think he is. And so this particular place in Hannah's story, he does, Mm -hmm. but he does it because Hannah Hannah essentially has Samuel, which then Samuel leads us to David, which leads us to Jesus. And so there's a a threading there where God uses Hannah's story for his glory Mm -hmm. and her good. And it will look different for all of us, right? And so essentially Hannah does um, become pregnant with Samuel and um, in scripture, it's beautiful. I want to say it's 1 Samuel um, 22, 8, and um, or eight twenty two and and she says and God and the verse says and God remembered Hannah and God remembered Hannah and I sat there I remember I I weeped when I read that I read it so differently that day because I I wondered like does God remember me mm. does God remember me does God actually remember me yeah. and as I continued reading th- through First Samuel and made some connections to the New Testament and kind of just began to see God again in, in a new way. I'm like, wait, the Lord has actually remembered me. Mm. He remembered me on the third day when he rose and has remembered me throughout my story in so many different ways. And so a lot of what we do in Hannah's story, what God has invited us to in Hannah's story is for us to say, God remembers us. Mm. God remembers us. Even when we think he doesn't, God remembers us. Yeah, it goes back to what you were talking about earlier about trusting God's character. Yeah. And in moments when I have, felt forgotten by God yeah. is when I'm not trusting his character. Every time. Because his character does is Flawless. not a forgetting God. Absolutely not. He's faithful. He's a faithful God. Yeah. And so trusting his character, you're talking here about how we have these assumptions about God. Oh, girl. And, and we all do. We bring them to the table Let's talk daily. about it. Let's talk about <laughs> all it. All the time. And yes. usually those assumptions have to do with either church hurt, yep. how we grew up, yep. the circumstances we're in life right now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they inform the way we see God. They inform the way we yeah. see God. And you say in here, you say... Knowing God isn't informational, it's transformational. Yeah. And so what does that mean for you and for yeah. us? No, that's great. So 
I I loved taking a stab at this particular chapter because I think that some of us, if not most of us, are afraid to say out loud. Like I absolutely make assumptions about God. Yes, and and I don't think we say it because it sounds so wrong. It's uh-huh. like you calling me Alex earlier. You were <laughs> like, I felt like I said something bad. Yeah, but like essentially for us as believers to say I make assumptions about the Lord, negative assumptions, it makes us feel like shameful, guilty, whatever. Because we actually do know <laughs> we do who God is. We do know who. And he there's is. this fear of like, oh, what if I'd say it out loud? Yes. What if I say it out loud? And so we we did it. We said it out loud. Said it out loud. We said it out loud. We said like, I, I do make assumptions about God, even when I don't want to, mm-hmm. because we do have these predisposed um, ideas of who God is and preconceived ideas of who God is. And so in this chapter, I talk about this, this invitation from God to sit with him to be transformed. And, and here's what I mean by that. I think whether you're a new believer or you're a seasoned saint, whether you've been in the faith for several years or a week, God, it, it, become e- it can become easy for us to digest information and, the, and knowledge of who God is, and it gets stuck from head to heart, right? Like the, the, the exchange, the holy exchange that happens from head to heart ends up not happening when we only know God via information mm. Wh- whether it's instagram or whether it's your sunday you know your sunday school or your small group we we are essentially riding on on the faith of someone else's or the, the coattail of someone else's faith yeah and it feels safe when we know a lot about god mm-hmm. because then we can try to reconcile like i went through several years of of thinking i was an apologist which is just which i'm not lol however <laughs> i i asked really good questions yeah and the book really came out of me me asking questions like where were you god mm-hmm. when yeah. where is god in x y and z thing yeah. insert your own story and i think as i began to ask those questions information wasn't enough for me mm. because although i knew that god was good it, it became a trust issue which is why it, this this is really at the core of it it's belief Mm. It is because we can know everything about God and still not believe that yeah. God is actually good. Yeah. And so this inspiration um, versus transformation kind of invitation that we give in the book and that I that I offer us is when we sit with Jesus, when when we when we are at the feet of 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 our Savior, of our friend, of our Shepherd, of our Counselor, what He's asking us for is to be with Him. Mm. And when we're with God, when we're with Jesus, when we take a moment to just be loved and become his beloved, mm-hmm. our, our heart begins to, to become indwelled with the love of the father. And, and what that means is this, y'all, it's, so, it's, it's not as, as hard as it sounds. It's God loves us so much that he sent his only son so that we could be with him. And when I sit with God, I begin to trust God. Mm. And it goes from information to me becoming more into the likeness of Jesus, which then in turn helps my faith. Yeah. I believe God to be more of who he is when I spend time with the yeah. Lord by being with him. Yeah. And then you have this trust built. Yeah. So that when the next rainstorm comes, Absolutely. and it will come. It will come. Um, you have this trust built yeah. that says, oh, I can look back and I can trace his hand. I can see his heart Absolutely. and know that he was there. Yeah. And that last storm, he's going to be here because his character says he will. Yeah. And it's not going to look like how we may think it will. Yeah. Right. Like it's not always going to flesh out how we are praying. Mm-hmm. And I think that's important. A lot of what... I loved being able to do an eyes up is I'm not I'm not giving us like cliche answers. Mm. Like I'm not gonna tell you let go and let God. I don't want to because I know telling you let go and let God's like not going to work. Yeah. I want you to I want you to contend. I want you to wrestle. I want you to to get gritty with the Lord mm. and I want you to ask those questions because yeah. what you're going to find is an invitation mm. of revival, of transformation, because 
and I say it all throughout the book, God's brought us this far and he won't stop now. Yeah. And we see that all throughout scripture. And when we know God to be that kind of God, mm-hmm. the God that says, I've brought you this far and I'm not going to stop now. Yeah. Whether we see answered prayer or not on this mm-hmm. side of heaven, whether whether the illness is healed, whether the marriage is restored, whether the thing happens or not, we have seen God, God bring us this far mm. and he's not going to stop now. And when we can't trace his hand, we trust the resurrection, yeah. which is his heart, right? Yeah. And again, I want to say the let go, let God thing. Yeah. The thing that is so hard about that is that if we all live to be 80, that just cannot sustain what the world is going to bring you. Absolutely not. It's not going to sustain it. It can't. And so hearing that, I'm always like, you can hold on to that for a while. Uh Uh-huh. A little bit. A little bit. A little bit. A little bit. Uh It's like I imagine myself holding onto a rope over a cruise ship. Mm -hmm. And like I could hold on for a little bit, Mm -hmm. but I that rope, my hands are gonna get tired. That rope can't sustain me and I'm gonna fall. And the tide and the waves are gonna get that rope right out of your hand. See? Uh Uh-huh. Look at this little analogy. Uh Uh-huh. It's gonna get it right out of your hand because the storms are gonna come and you're not gonna be able to hold on to it. You know what I need? I don't need a rope on the side of the boat. I Uh need Jesus to pull me into the boat. Come on. And we can be in the boat together in the midst of the storm. Old Peter, he's like, eyes up. There it is. Eyes up. Yes. Here I am. (laughs) You know, one thing that I think I feel sometimes, and I know you do because you write about it and Mm -hmm. other people might be feeling is like, okay, Alexandra, this is awesome. Right. I want to remember, I want to have these Ebenezers Mm -hmm. and not just have them, but it takes like, it took you hard work to go back and think about these things. Yeah. It takes us all hard work to go back and think about these things. And and it's hard and like really sometimes overwhelmingly scary. Right. Very. Because we're often taught not to really look back. Like it's, it's almost like in our culture too. It's like, don't look back. It's a waste of time. Move forward. But there's something to looking back yes. that I think we need uh, We need to kind of give back to, to yeah. be able to learn to see God, to heal, to because be transformed. we have to remember. We do. To, we have to remember to know where we're going, to see uh, where God is taking us and to know where we're going to be able to go. Totally. Absolutely. Totally. Have you ever in, have you done counseling? Work? Yes. I'm, have you ever I'm had to do a trauma egg? No, I've not. Do done you know what tra- it is? No, but I have done a trauma timeline. Same difference, okay. I'm sure. Got yeah. It. Yes. That is hard intense work it is really intense work and it's one of the things that actually i think the lord used to kind of catapult me it was a catalyst for this for the wow book. because what i i was in uh emdr therapy uh-huh. yeah and um this particular session i my therapist was like hey and before i started emdr they kind of walk you through um almost preparing like the soil for emdr mm-hmm. and one of in one of the sessions it was that she was like i, I i'm gonna ha- i'm gonna need you to to timeline yeah these particular uh, seasons and spaces in your life and i remember as i wrote these things out it was i had to grieve them which mm-hmm. chapter five of the book is all about grieving it's the grieving stone because i think it's such an important foundational yeah. non-negotiable right. part of our faith and yeah. stories yeah is to allow god into our grief mm. and so yes i've done it and it was one of the most beautiful and hard and yeah. challenging seasons i grieved and I'm still grieving mm-hmm. a lot of the different things. And I think, of, of course, grief comes in, in waves and, yeah. and, you know, um, in different seasons. But all that to say, I've done it. I'm a big fan. Yeah. I remember I interviewed somebody one time on here. I can't remember who it was. And she was telling something very tragic that had happened mm-hmm. to her. I mean, mm-hmm. intensely tragic. Yeah. And she said in the interview, she said, I often wonder, like, where were you, God, yeah. in the midst of that Every tragedy? T- Oof, yeah. And she said she did a lot of therapy and she was just like, I don't want to put words in her mouth, but she came to the realization that like, he was with me. He was with me. Yeah. And that is really hard to say, like in the most worst moment of my life, the most tragic thing that God had not left her. No. Like he was there. And and that brings me so much comfort. And I think what I ask you is, 
you talking here about having the eyes to see where God mm. is actually revealing himself. Yeah. And I think that's hard. And, and we can talk about this in a couple different ways. Like even looking back, which I think we've talked about a lot because it's so important because so many people don't want to look yeah. back. They're like, that's in the past. Mm-hmm. I am done. moving forward. Yeah. And you know what? There is like, we can have a whole nuanced for conversation. Sure. It's nuanced, right? It's like so nuanced. For sure. There, there's a health in that of saying yes. like that, that, that is the past and God is moving us forward. But there's a lot of restoration that has to happen in our souls to be able to move forward whole, right? And I think we for, we forget that part. Yeah. And so we think leaving in the past means we don't have to deal with it anymore. But mm-hmm. if you haven't dealt with things in a healthy way, yeah. they will come back in yeah. an unhealthy way. That's right. And so yeah. when you look back, and we've talked a lot about looking back and being like, God, reveal where you were yeah. in those moments. I think that sets us up for a healthy practice to for be sure. able to see him in the midst of it. Because what I want in my life is I have done some of the work to see him in the past mm-hmm. and I'll continue to do it. I'm, sure. not, I'm not done. Yeah. But what I want is I want to be able to say right now, this is the mm-hmm. hardest thing I've ever walked through. Mm-hmm. And I know you're here mm. because I trust you. Yeah. So how do we get, how is the person listening saying, I want that too. How do I have eyes to see where God is here? Yeah. I, I think this is, so as I wrote eyes up, I, I wrote down even before I even sent in my initial proposal for the book, I remember for my own self writing writing these questions down like well, god where were you when yeah and and why me and and why why me and why not why not her why yeah. not me and why her and um if you're good then why aren't you good to me mm-hmm. and i i remember writing these these felt needs down the, these points of contention that i had with the lord and coming up empty-handed like i had no answers mm-hmm. and i I wanted to trust his character. I, I really did. Like I want to. I think most of us wake up yeah. and want to believe that God is who he says he is. But man, life can be so hard mm. to put it plainly, right? Like yep. it's just hard sometimes. And so if you're listening to this today or whenever, whenever you know, you come up against or come up on this uh, podcast episode and you're you're asking that question, like how do I see God today? How, how do I trust that he is who he says he is? I would invite you, I guess, to do two things because I do them now. And, and as I wrote Eyes Up, I did those things. And it was, I would ask you to to look at the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. I would ask you to make a big deal about that. Mm. And here's why. Because our entire faith hangs on God's love for us, right? Mm-hmm. Like for God to love the world and the great commission and the great commandment is love God, love people and go and tell about that. And so I would ask you, have you experienced God love, God's love today mm-hmm. in a way that has made you feel as seen, beloved, and remembered. Mm. Because that is what's really going to set the tone for you to be able to learn to see God and experience God. Because we're not always going to feel like we might feel God or or see him in the way that we think. It's it's not going to always pan out that way. Mm. Most often than not, when we're in the seasons of suffering, Jamie, and where we're in, the fog is so heavy that it's almost impossible to see anything. And so what I believe God invites us to is to just be and sit with him and take your grief to him. Like Mm. I I want you to sit with him like like Mary did when when Lazarus was dead, right? We see Mary groaning and then we see Jesus do what? He weeps with her. He weeps with her. And and I think that exchange of vulnerability, I think think her saying to Jesus, where were you? Like, why are you late? And she said, Had you been here? Had you been here? Respectfully, Jesus, had you been here? (laughs) Not trying to call you out, but whatever you you were doing. It could not have been more important (laughs) than my brother Lazarus. Yes. And I think that's all of us. Mm -hmm. So if you're in the midst of that today, I I would say that I I would say, 
have you have you considered how much God loves you mm-hmm. in the midst of what you're walking through? And I, I would take a moment to to sit with him and let him be the bomb that your soul needs. Like there, there is no easy answer to seeing God in the midst of our suffering. Yeah. There just isn't. And eyes up doesn't promise you that. Mm. What I invite you to, what I want to walk alongside you in is, is helping you experience God in the way that I know he sent his, he sent his son Jesus to die for us with like this, this love, this overwhelming compassion, mm. the, the mercy that I know he extends. That is the only truth and and spiritual foundation in our faith that I can give you that I know will help carry you in and through the season. Yeah, that's so good. Um, And I think that everyone's listening is in the midst or on the other side or about to be. And I just think about that. And I, I, I never want that to be like Debbie Downer, like just wait, something bad's coming. No, no, but we no. Li- we're all yeah. smart people and we see the news yeah. and we live in the wor- the world and we yep. have doctor's appointments and we have kids and we have trauma and yeah. we have mental health and yeah. works and all, the, all things. the things. Yeah, And it is hard. And I, I appreciated the work that you put into this mm, so much because you. it felt real to me. Mm. And I'm done with the whole let go, let God yeah. mentality. We're done. We're done. We're done. We are done with that. Yeah. And, um, this is someone that was sitting with you saying, hey, I've walked this road. Yeah. I've been here. Here's how God's been faithful. Yeah. Here's how he'll be faithful to you. Amen. And so thank you for your work. Oh, thank you so much. You guys, this me. book comes out next Tuesday. Um, highly recommend you picking it up. It's really, really good. Mm, I want to ask you this before we go. Yeah. Uh, you work at a local church. I do. Like we said earlier with yeah. our friend, Dr. Derwin Gray. Yes, yes. Um, I want to know what was it like working at a church during the pandemic? Oh, man. Oh, gosh. I came out alive. A little a little Barely. bruised, a little bloody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but alive, you know, I... I I love the I love the church I love the bride I almost love her to a fault if that's even possible at times mm-hmm. I, I do feel called to her and um, in the midst of a pandemic I to say that it was that our world was turned upside down yeah. again like understatement yeah, yeah. right um, we're a larger church and so we'd been set up well enough through like production and broadcast where those things were not reactive uh-huh. for us they they were there they existed yeah. and so mm-hmm. it was it took more of a pivot of, of our from our end more than anything yeah. um, to get our folks to watch online mm-hmm. um, one of the most difficult difficult things that we're still feeling today is re-engaging mm-hmm. our body yeah and and you know side by side like rubbing elbows and shoulders and and yeah. you know and, and walking with somebody hand yeah. hand to hand that's still not happening the mm-hmm. way that we saw it before the pandemic yeah. and so we're we're in the midst of that like mm-hmm. it's it's still not um, resolved it's still not fleshed out we just had easter sunday um a few weeks ago mm-hmm. and uh we had probably about 90 percent of our congregation come back which was beautiful. Oh, so lovely. So lovely mm-hmm. to see. Such a delight. It was so life-giving mm-hmm. to, to see our people again. Yeah. But it was a reminder uh-huh. that we are still in the midst of healing from yeah. that season. And we're yeah. not out of it yet. Yeah. And so it was hard. It was challenging. We had to pivot. Um, you know, disciple, discipleship in general um, and the ambiguity that even comes with that word, I think, sometimes yeah. um, without small groups is hard. Yep. And so wanting to love and shepherd the bride while in the midst of not being able to be with people mm. um, was absolutely exhausting. And so we came out on the other side. We're on the up and up. I feel like we God is restoring and um, redeeming a lot of mm. a lot of the things that happened over the pandemic yeah. and the way that it really did take us a lot by surprise or all by surprise. And so I I will say we are still healing. <laughs> we are coming out of it, but Isn't we are that still like there. We, I think that's what like I want. 
<laughs> maybe like to be said of every, intro jamie every event yes still healing still healing <laughs> Still, still learning healing. yeah still moving towards jesus Absolutely. all the things yeah uh i was talking with my husband aaron who's a pastor here at our church nice and he was giving some percentage nationwide mm. and it was re- it was a lot higher than i would have imagined people who were regular church attenders yeah. who have not gone back yeah they've not church. returned and um again whole nuance global pandemic so many nuances everybody has, habits yes all the things rhythms have changed all the things everything but there is still some truth to that that there are a lot of people who actually could return for sure that they're not you know have a long-term illness yeah. or uh, immune deficiency all those yeah, things all the things yeah that just aren't because they've gotten such a habit it's just a habit yeah yeah it's just a habit yeah and so it is hard for churches yeah right now it's gonna well, it's gonna take us a little bit and i think the more we talk about it and the mm-hmm. more that we say it out loud again yeah. that we've created some habits and some and some some uh, rhythms yeah. that may not be totally life-giving yeah. to the body. I, the church that I attend, we have several campuses here okay, in Austin, nice. but our downtown campus meets at a high school and okay. we've been at a high school for, I don't know, 15 years. And when COVID hit, I mean, we were out of the high school. Yeah. And so our church was like this little traveling congregation. Yeah. We met at like- <laughs> house churches. It was, it was like moving all around the city of Austin. <laughs> yes. Like we were at Stubbs, it's, it's a bar. We okay. were at Emos. It's a it's a like music venue. That. Amos, we have an Amos, yeah. Okay, so we were at all these different places. That. And about three weeks ago from when we were recording here we were back into our gym for the first time and it was just this moment for me of Mm. like this feels so good and granted we all know the truth like god is not a building his church is not a building all those things but also when we gather it is so much more beautiful we were gathering back where we had gathered for all these years it just felt like it felt like home. I was like, For this sure. feels so good. Mm. And so if any of you are wanting to get back into your church, Come you should on. give it a try. For sure, <laughs> give it a try. It a try. We miss uh, y'all. <laughs> we, we miss you. Your churches, your people yes, miss you. we miss you. <laughs> uh, what are you loving? What are you reading these days? Yeah, so I actually just picked up um, Anne Lamont's book. I think it's Dusk, Dawn, and, uh, no, Dusk Night and Dawn. And um, I absolutely love her. I love her too. Have you read Bird by Bird? I have. Are you serious? Come it's on. so good. It's so good. I had It's one that I actually audio. think I want to pick back up. Yeah. Because I read it. I mean, I read it when I was writing my very first book, oh. which was in 2017. Isn't, isn't she a character? You're so good. She's amazing. Okay. I love her story. So um, I just picked that up. It has uh-huh. the most beautiful cover okay, too, which I love, I'm, yeah. I'm obsessed. Covers are great. Covers are great. And then... Um, organizing your internal life I think it's what it okay. is or um, I didn't say that right or orienting or organizing your internal life um, I don't remember his last name I can probably look it up okay. um, but essentially it's a book all about spiritual disciplines mm. um, and reorienting our souls and organizing yeah. our internal life in a way that um, is honoring to God it's really a lot about rest and rhythms that's so good i'm getting back to a lot of that too it was for the i think for several years i talked a lot about rhythms whether it was on instagram or my blog or whatever um but i think god after the pandemic is really taking me back to a space yeah. of what is happening in inter- what is happening internally mm-hmm. and i've been taking um i've been checking the thermostat of my soul yeah. a lot more recently that's so good um, as an enneagram mate i have to in general mm-hmm. to consistently um to see where i'm at emotionally like am i withdrawing yeah. am i not feeling um all the things and so this book has been helpful and that I just picked it up a few weeks ago too. So. I love that. I'm loving it. Anything you're loving, like not a book, but anything, thing, thing you're loving? Anything, thing, thing that I'm loving. I'll I... give you one so I can start. Okay, go. I Have you heard of Newly? Oh my gosh, yes. 
Do you use it? No. Okay. So I've been using it for about a year and a half. Okay. And I, so we're recording this full disclosure yeah. in April, towards uh-huh. the end of April. Okay. Um, I just got my new box and it's six items that you rent, keep for a month and then send back. Okay. It's the best box I've so ever So I have gotten. to go do that. I have to subscribe today is what I hear you saying. I, this little thing I'm wearing, this yeah, little that one. duster thing. Yeah, the duster. It was in the box. It's very cute. The dress I wore on Good Friday uh-huh. in the box. It literally was the best box I've ever. I have gotten. to go. I have and to so, go subscribe right now. They should probably give you a paid sponsorship immediately. We newly, paid, newly, where are you? Newly, because I can get all my free people on anthropology. That I just am not going to go out and spend the money on that and all the things. Okay, I I don't have a, I'm loving. I don't have a newly example that I'm. I have, well, do you have a lipstick? Do you okay. have a shoe? I have. This is great. So I am becoming a sneakerhead. Accidentally, I already noticed your shoes. Did you I notice really that? like them? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just, it's it's very much accidental. Are you a Nike sneakerhead? I am. Okay. I'm I'm becoming like an Air One Jordan girl, oh. and I just ordered some blazers. Um, if there's an app called Goat that might like blazer you wear on your body, no, or they're shoes? called they're called like blazers. The shoes, blazes, blazes. Okay. My husband's gonna die and okay. be so embarrassed. My kids would know all these things. Yes, yeah, so I think they're called Nike Blaze. Okay, and I ordered them off an app called Goat. And any of my sneakerheads out there probably are giggling because I is it all Nikes? They're not all Nikes. Okay. They have all sorts of sneakers okay, on it. there. Um, but I'm really I I love my shoes. I think these are these are the um, they're called Pandas. I like them. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm loving that right now. I'm like transitioning into this season of my life where i'm like i'm gonna wear sneakers but they're going to be really cute this is what covid did to us it is what COVID. <laughs> did. This is what COVID i did. literally like these sandals i have on are my new favorite sandals <laughs> yes. and they're from they're called they're from sorrel or Sor- i don't know okay. how you say it yeah but they're a little wedge yeah, they're very cute thank you I, I i know they're very cute and i really I like them it. but they also are so comfortable oh and i'm at this stage of my life yes. where i'm like if if I, I will get heels for church, sure. for an event, all the things. Yeah. If I'm going to wear something, they're going to be comfortable all day long. in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, they're be comfortable. I'm too old. I will throw my back out Absolutely. if I wear something like that Absolutely. all day long. And so, but yes. you know what? I am not a sneakerhead, but I just bought my second pair of New Balances. Okay, okay, those are back in. New Balances are actually I back am in. Loving these. Yes, yes. I love. I need to see them. You just I'll send you a picture of them today Thank when you. I get home okay, because good. I'm not wearing them because I'm wearing my comfy your comfy pla- mini mini uh, wedge. little wedge shoes so cute but yes I actually bought these to take the summer I'm going on a trip for a month Ooh. and I've been to do a lot of walking yeah and I thought these would be really good those are super they're going to be comfortable so I mean I think I literally am going to pack these shoes uh-huh a pair of tennis shoes yeah the new balances the new balances Hopefully. and um like some flip-flops and call it a day that's the best kind of month yeah, yeah I know oh my gosh uh, Alexandra, you have been the best kind of day for me. Oh, I'm so glad. I'm so glad you came to Austin. Me too. I'm so excited about this book. Thank you. You guys, it comes out next Tuesday. But if you're listening to this in real time and you live by you you have something tonight on the 20th what is it absolutely so tonight we have our um, eyes up night of encouragement and connection there's going to be live worship and treats and goodies and a message you're not going to want to miss it so if you're local to Charlotte and you want to come on and hang out it's totally free I'd love to see you where is it Uh, Transformation Church 1212 Transformation Lane got it yeah is it online or just local just local okay that's cool so Charlotte girls show up come on thank you oh yeah Thank you so much for listening to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivy podcast. We are truly grateful for every single story that we get to share with you, every encouragement we get to give you, and every opportunity we get to point all of us to Jesus. If you're loving this show, we would really appreciate it if you would leave us a rating and or a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, tell your friends. That is the number one way that people find out about our show. It's because you tell them. Join us right here every Wednesday and Friday for meaningful conversations that will make us think, they'll make us laugh, and they'll always point us back to Jesus. 
And come find me other places on the internet as well. I love Instagram. I'm over there at Jamie Ivy. And if you've never visited my YouTube page, you're going to want to go there. Have you ever listened to a show and wondered, I wonder what they look like? Well, go find us over there. It's jamieivy.com slash YouTube. The Happy Hour is produced by Lindsay Sweeney. Show notes are written by Abigail Castell. Graphics are by Amaya Savoy Easton. The show is edited by Angie Elkins. And I'm your host every week, Jamie Ivy. And goodness gracious, I love being here with you guys. Until next time, have a happy hour with a friend.